It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College Adult and Graduate Study. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am one of the certified financial planners on the show. I'm also your host. With me in the KFG studios, some of my friends, business partners, and also certified financial planners, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Good to be with you, Mike. You too. Hey, it's been an interesting year in the market so far this year. So the question is, should you be making any changes with your investments? We're recapping the first half of the year in the markets and discussing themes that could continue to move the markets in the second half of the year as well. And what you should be doing about it, if anything, right? So that and more and listener questions, second half of the show. If you have a question that you'd like us to talk about on the show or just an issue you're dealing with in your life, reach out to us. We'd love to help. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574 574- 222-2000. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. Actually comes as an email directly to me. We'll hit it on an upcoming show. There's other content on the website. Uh, the Wise Money blog is there as well, so you can check out that content. Social media, also Facebook, Twitter, and we've got the YouTube channel running. You can look at, you can watch every show. We record it live from the studio on the YouTube channel. Just go and search Wise Money Radio. So at KFG, at Corhorn Financial Group, we have several relationships with our clients and and depending on what suits the individual, what would suit you best, we would see, I don't know, once a year, twice a year, three times a year, four times a year. It really just depends on the service level. And a particular friend of mine who we meet uh, three times a year, I saw him last, I think it was in March. Well, in advance of our meeting coming up later in August, he he gave me a call and I chatted with him for a second and he said something very interesting. He was just giving me an update as to where they stand with a few things. And then he said, hey, when we meet next week, I want to talk about how to recession-proof my portfolio. <laughs> and I thought, that's interesting. I Interesting term. I had never heard that one before. Maybe you have. I'm assuming you listening have maybe thought of that, especially with where the market is right now and how much volatility we've seen this year. So can you recession-proof your portfolio and then the other question is, should you? We've got that coming up. But before we dive into that, let's just all get the right perspective as to where the market is and when we mean market, kind of the different areas that you can invest in. Yeah, I mean, we all know that uh, various segments of the investment universe are going up and down and having various levels of performance every single day. And so maybe the most natural uh, time frame to look at is the first half of the year. So if we looked at June 30th type performance numbers, where where were we at the halfway point of the year? Um, we often start by looking at how have large U.S. companies done? The, the stocks that you and I hold in familiar names like Coca-Cola and uh, Microsoft and Apple, Those types of companies um, we often think of in the S&P 500. That's the index that we track. It's up 2.6% at the halfway point of the year. Mm -hmm. So positive. Positive, but nothing huge, right? right? Uh, A more volatile ride, as we'll talk about later. But smaller size companies here in the U.S. have done significantly better. Mm -hmm. Up 
seven point seven percent. Yep. So three times the the rate of return as larger companies. We often think of small size companies as being a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more growth oriented, which means they can move up in a hurry. Sometimes they can move down in a hurry as well. But can can I just jump in here? So so large cap stocks, you'd say the stock market only up two percent. Small caps are up seven. This is interesting. If you're a geek like me, you would say, oh, does that happen all the time? No, actually, last year, large cap stocks were up 20%. Small cap stocks were only up 14. 14 sounds like an amazing return, and except if you were an investor last year, you hated your small cap stocks. And even the first quarter of this year, small cap stunk. Yeah, this is a scenario where you sit down at the end of the year and you look at the returns in your portfolio and you say, okay, get, let's get out of those 14 percenters and put that money into the 20 percenters. Yeah. Only to watch <laughs> your 20 percenters be up 2.5% and your 14 percenters be up. Seven. Well, that's one of the reasons why we're often uh, preaching the need to be diversified, yeah. right? Don't bet the farm on one little pocket of the investment world to carry your returns or your whole portfolio. And you know, to keep going on a few of these other returns, uh, things like real estate, and we're not talking residential real estate, the home values, that sort of thing. We're talking about commercial real estate, buildings that are leased out to other corporations, that sort of thing, up 1.3% at the halfway point of the year. Commodities, um, up zero. Mm-hmm. Flat. Or you could say down zero, depending <laughs> on your perspective. Always <laughs> the jokester. Jeff. Bonds, <laughs> bond investments, which are often those safer type of investments that you might run to when you are fearful of a recession, down 1.6%. And we'll talk about the forces at work there. International investments down 2.4, the the more risky bonds down 2.5, and maybe the more risky stocks in smaller economies from around the globe, emerging markets down 6.5%. So most of the line items here, the, if we're reading box scores, most of them are down at the halfway point of the year. And if you're diversified, you know, your mix in each of those is different, but you might be flat for the year. You, you might not be up anything. Certainly. A diversified portfolio could get, could get you right there. But this is the interesting thing because going back to what we were talking about earlier and, and numbers don't translate very well over the radio, but if large stocks were up 20% and small stocks were up 14% last year, when you rebalanced at the end of the year, and and we believe in at least an annual rebalance, some some things like your 401k, you can set up to automatically rebalance quarterly. Mm-hmm. We rebalance portfolios quarterly here. Um, if you rebalanced, you sold some of the piece that was up 20%, and some of that went into the piece that was up 14%, and that has served you well. And granted, six months is not... Uh, you know, if you if you want to recession-proof your portfolio, I I can tell you how to do it. We're going to talk about it coming up. Uh, but but what you just said was very counterintuitive, right? The the idea of selling last year's winners and buying something that has lagged behind, um, that's not what people normally want to choose to do, no. and that's why we, you know, really preach the idea of taking a disciplined approach, doing that type of rebalance, whether it feels good or not. And the reason why we talk about that ad nauseum is <laughs> because there people have a tendency to project. So they say, well, what happened this past year is going to continue this year. Mm-hmm. So the 20% last year is going to happen 
next year. I remember at the towards the end of the '90s, people were saying, "Well, yeah, I'm fine if my port, uh, you know, uh, my portfolio should do around twenty percent or so per year." Right. <laughs> and you know, h- history says no. If you can uh, scratch out somewhere on a on a balanced portfolio around eight percent, you're doing well. And the people's expectations were so far out of whack, but that's what they'd experienced. Right. So they say, well, this is what I've experienced. This is what's going to happen on a going forward basis. What What are the big drivers of those returns? Then there's there's several. The one that's hitting the news all the time is this tariff stuff, and you know that's uh, that's a daily daily saga that influences both expected returns um, here in the U.S., but also international returns. And that trade war, the tariff stuff, um, yeah, possibly has contributed to emerging markets, international being down a little bit. There are a couple flashpoints that have happened in the first half of the year uh, with the stock market, some fairly sudden drops, one of them being uh, in the March timeframe. And that's when uh, the current administration started uh, kind of pushing their policy and saying, hey, we need to uh, rethink or renegotiate some of these trade deals around around the world. And uh, of course, the media responds negative, mm-hmm. right? And casts some fear on that. And the word trade war starts getting thrown around before we even know enough to, uh, to understand what it means. Right. Now that some of those tariffs have come into effect in the summer, the word trade war is popping up again. Yeah, I'm just smiling at you saying the media would respond negatively to this administration's yeah. moves. Imagine Casey, that. probably behind the board, is biting his tongue right now. That has led to an increase in volatility. It, I, one of my favorite charts to look at, and I know Kevin's as well, I've got pulled up right in front of me. Last year, for the past 30, last year tied the least amount of volatility. The mm-hmm. inter-year decline was only 2% last year. This year, it's already down 10, but guess what? The average is down 13 when you look at the past 30-some years. So it's a lot more volatile this year, but not even close to average. Should you recession-proof your portfolio? What in the world does that even mean? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Have you wondered if you should be preparing your investment portfolio for a recession that could be lying ahead? I got that question from a friend of mine coming up. Turns out Kevin had a very similar conversation with a friend of his. We're going to be talking about that coming up here in just a second. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us today. My name's Mike here with Kevin and Josh in the KFG studios. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Once again, if you have any questions you'd like us to address, either on an upcoming show or just have some needs, reach out to us, 574-222-2000. You can call or text us at 574-222-2000. WiseMoneyRadio.com is how you find us online and Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. So we're talking about the uh, the the first half in the investing world. I know we're past that now, but just for a, a drawing a line in the sand, we've reviewed how the different areas of your uh, hopefully investment portfolio have performed through June 30, and then what's driving that, and then whether you should be real cautious. We've got that in just a second, but 
a few things that are driving the investment world right now. So the tariffs, trade war, that sort of stuff that has led to increased volatility. Josh, what are some other things that have driven the stock market or the the um, investment performance so far, and maybe might continue to drive it for the rest of eighteen? Yeah, I think one of the themes that uh, kick-started some of the volatility earlier this year was uh, the risk that interest rates are going to be changing, uh, rising more aggressively. The Fed came out early in the year and announced that, hey, things are going well. The economy is strong. They like where uh, the, the pace that things are on and maybe now can start easing off the throttle a little bit. And uh, Wall Street threw a little bit of a temper tantrum there in early February, late January, early February. Sharp decline. Maybe you recognized it in your own portfolio. Maybe it came and went before you even noticed. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. It was sharp decline, quick rebound. Um, but it, it kind of underscored that the markets are paying attention to interest rates this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- most people expect interest rates to continue to climb. Um those are the key uh, interest rates that the Fed is watching. It doesn't necessarily translate perfectly into mortgage rates always. Although those have been in, in on the rise as well. And if we're really nerdy, we would talk about the yield curve. Maybe we're going to be talking about that more coming up in 2019 as a lot of folks are expecting the yield curve would flatten. Kevin's giving me a look. He, uh, he gave me a bunch of flack the other day because I was explaining what yield curve oh was. Come on. And that he said I was too a, nerdy. A client walked out of Josh's office, and I walked in, <laughs> and I see the yield curve drawn up on the board, and I thought, these poor people. I uh, I, I was going to send them a sympathy. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> Stop it. Is it is so interesting. Oh, dear. The other the, – a uh, couple other quick themes before we talk about uh, recession proofing is you know GDP uh, the the economic output appears to be strong long term long term the stock market's driven by profits and the growth of the overall economy and so that I mean the day-to-day nerves about jobs and unemployment and tariffs and and that sort of stuff all get washed away over the long term when you look at, is the economy actually growing? Are companies more profitable? And so that's been a big driver. And the last one I'd hit is growth and technology specifically. That area of the investing world has just been very strong. That's a theme that started in early 2017, and it's carried its way through in 2018 as well. One of the things that surprised me, I was looking at a chart earlier um, that shows the amount of corporate cash as a percentage of their their current assets. So how liquid are companies? And they're still near all-time highs after five or six years. So cash has been built up. There's still a lot of cash available for reinvestment. And uh, to your point, a lot of these companies are needing to invest in technology to help support uh, low unemployment. There's, it's so hard to find good people these days. At least that's what most small business owners are saying which means they need to find other ways to use things like robotics or um, new computer systems, rethinking production lines so that they can be more productive with the same number of people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Mike, Josh, and Kevin here in the KFG studios talking about the investing world. And so with that recap, I well, shared gonna, earlier. Can, and can we talk a, a little bit about the sectors 
Or are we beyond that? That is more nerdy than a yield no, curve, no, Kevin. No kidding, man. No, no, no let's let's get into let's get into the to the meat of it because I'm assuming you're thinking this because I had this comment from from a friend of mine uh, uh, just last week. Kevin over the break shared that he's had a similar conversation about boy, seems like there's more risk today. Should I recession proof my portfolio? That's what this friend of mine said. Um, and let's talk about it. Is that something you should consider? How would you even do it? Yeah, you should definitely consider. The way that you – should I give the answer now or should we talk around it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I think it should be really vague and uh, confusing. Okay. No, the, the, <laughs> here's how you recession-proof your portfolio is you look at your financial plan and you determine – what kind of performance you're going to need to have from your investment uh, portfolio, and then you structure your portfolio accordingly, and you work closely with your financial advisor. You're, if you're working with a financial uh, a financial planner, make sure they're certified. So you're working with a certified financial planner, and you are think of it as almost either a garden or an orchard. So there's constant maintenance and that constant maintenance could be you know twice a year it doesn't it's not daily and all you're doing is you're just aware because people if you look right now at the stock market and people are like well what's going on in the stock market should i be concerned from uh, trough to peak so the 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 trough the bottom of the trough was march 9th of 2009 so from march 9th of 2009 until today the S&P 500, which we were talking about, is up 300%. That's it? That's it. <laughs> now, <laughs> the, the, the first 100 and change, all you were doing was getting back to, you, to where you were in October of 2007. Mm-hmm. So you say, hey, I, you know, I'm up 100 and some percent. Uh, from the the from the bottom, that's great. But you you lived through a fifty seven percent decline. So when you look at this, the way to recession proof your portfolio, really in in my humble opinion, my experience is to not let your emotions play a part in your portfolio. And as I say to my children often, and other teammates and certainly clients trust the process. Yeah, but but it's not emotional to say the stock market has come up 300%. It's at an all-time high. Mm, right? I, well, I just felt an emotion right there. No, that's it not is. an all-time high. Huh? That's that's factual, right? Well, I know, but here's right. I'm playing devil's advocate. Right. I'm just but I'm, Yes, you are. You're representing very well. But <laughs> I I I think <laughs> So you have to think about that and you say, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does the stock market being at an all-time high mean? Because we could have said that from 2014 until today. And so, so so I'm talking to a client who's about to turn 65, still working, and says, hey, I've had this very uh, conservative posture since 2012. Because here are all the issues. We're, we've we spent too much money. We're in too much debt. Um, Congress is out of control. I'm concerned if you know this presidential election coming up. All these things. And he talked to 
So you were saying that as the U.S. has spent too much money, the U.S. has too much debt. When you first said it, I thought they personally were kind of confessing their own economic condition. Well, no, that was one of the other conditions. They were saying that the the people in the U.S. have done the same thing that the government has, Uh, right? So... So all of this laundry list of issues, and they took their laundry list of issues and then talked to the, the, the person who advises them on their 401k and convinced themselves to become very, very, very conservative. And you, you could make the case, right? The stock market was at an all-time high in 2014. Yep. So there we go. So, so they missed out on this incredible run up yep. from 2012 until... Now. And that's where the emotions really play in is, okay, it keeps going up. It keeps going up. Something bad's got to happen, right? Your emotions would say that. And so really it comes down to what should you be doing in your investments right now? Should you try to protect on the downside? Should you be making other changes? We still have that and a lot more to hit here. Coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Are you nervous about where the stock market is right now? Where your portfolio is positioned? Have you felt some emotions pulling you to make some changes? That's what we're talking about here today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike. Across from me, Kevin Corhorn. Between us, Josh Gregory coming to you from the KFG Studios. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you also to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team at Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. We're talking about investments. Spurs a lot of questions. Uh, you know, of the six areas of your financial life, investments gets a disproportionate amount of attention. And there's all this curiosity, especially right now, as the market is where it is, and yet it's been a more volatile year, certainly more volatile than 17. If you have questions, if you have concerns, let us be a resource. We'd love to help. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Find us on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at Wise Money Radio, and you can call or text 574-222-2000. What we're in the middle of right now is I had a, a friend of mine reach out before our meeting next week and just gave me an update on his situation and said, I'd like to talk about recession-proofing my portfolio. And I didn't really respond. I said, okay, okay, yep, we'll we'll talk about that uh, next week. The question is, have you ever felt that urge? Are you feeling that right now? Should you even do it? We're going to hit. And then if you would even consider it and whether you should, how in the world would you even pull that off? So that's what we're tackling right now. Guys, what do you think? Well, I think there's a lot of investors out there that have been uh, carrying a certain investment thesis in their mind for a number of years, and that is one that's fearful of the next big decline in the markets, right? The next big recession, which theoretically translates into market declines. And those are two very separate things. They're interrelated, but you know, if we wanted to get real technical, it's not the recession that this person is, af- is afraid of. It's a bear market. right? And that's more of an investment term when the stock market falls 20% or more, we call it a bear market. It happens every five to seven years on average, and we're in, what, the 108th month or something like that 
uh, way, years. way beyond mm-hmm. um, average here. And so just the timeline alone makes some people fearful that uh, the other shoe is going to drop at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so should I get ready for some big storm? And the the issue here is the market can keep on defying what you believe gravity should be doing to it um, for a long, long time. That's right. So y- your thesis can be wrong for quite a while before it's right. Um, and, you know, this, this issue of can you interpret uh, the current times and get ready in time is a is a tough question. Well, it kind of goes back to the story that Kevin was sharing is, um, you know, you, you've had a very good case to be cautious for the past 10 years, especially, I think, Kevin, you said that the individual started getting very conservative back in 2012, 2013. That's actually when the stock market got back up to where it was before the, the financial crash. And I, I have a lot of clients who made some really bold moves in their portfolio against my advice because they were sure, we're back up to where we were, things aren't any better, we're going to crash again. And they missed out on a big run. And then they've got to deal with this with this very dangerous predicament of, okay, well, now the market's even higher. And I got out way back when. My thesis, I'm still holding on to. So this drop is going to happen. Do I continue to wait, right? And that that can be, whether you should or not, we'll, we're still getting into, but if you have already made a big move to get in cash or get conservative, I mean, part of the... There's two sides to that coin. Well, when do you get aggressive? Because the best time to get more aggressive is the time when you wouldn't want to. Right. Be be greedy when others are fearful. So if you're going to make a change to get more conservative than your financial plan requires, you've got to have the guts to say, well, then I'm going to get more aggressive back when I won't want to. And if you can't say yes to that, then you shouldn't say yes to getting out. And the and the trick is is that so I've been on the sidelines or mostly on the sidelines since 2012. Here it is 2018. I'm finally convinced that maybe I should be willing to get a little more aggressive. But all of the concerns that were in place in 2012 are still in place today. Yeah. So this is the problem with being predictive. I think of a couple of things. If you if every day you when you woke up, you predicted the stock market was going to crash, you would be right um, a couple days out of, you know, 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Um, so because in 2006, I was confident that interest rates were set to increase in a meaningful way. And in- interest rates are finally increasing. So was I right? And I say, I don't know. If it takes you 12 years to be right, I'm saying you weren't right. And I remember specifically I had um, in 2000, I'm going to say this is in in the early 2000s, let's say 2002, I had a client that um, was working for a company. He was an exec, and the company was getting bought and sold, bought and sold. And the last time it got sold – he cashed out. He had the golden parachute, and he said, listen, my risk profile has changed. I, I want to do something different. So we took uh, a half million dollars, and that was uh, 
small portion of what he received, and we put it in a 10-year fixed annuity. So a lot of people don't like the A word, and we're not huge fans of those, but it's a tool, and I don't have... I don't ever go to my toolbox and curse the hammer and bless the the pipe wrench. So I say, well, it's a tool. And we locked it in for 10 years at 6.75%. And I remember there's another advisor who's a very good friend of mine who said, I think it's immoral to lock up that much money for that long of a period of time at that low of an interest rate. Right. And all interest rates did from that point forward was go down. Go lower. Yeah. Yep. So you look like a genius in hindsight. Right. And, and that product had a floor of 3%, a guaranteed floor. And it, that that piece of money is now at a, at a million bucks. And he's taking his 30 grand a year off of that thing like clockwork. Mm. And he's just pleased as punch. You know, as, as we've been talking about this, um, th- this topic of whether or not you you should recession-proof your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, the fear that a lot of people uh, push out there, a lot of bias opinions. You need to buy gold because you know the government's going to fall apart, and you know all, all these um, pretty sensational ideas that are meant to get you to buy a certain product from them. Yeah. Right. So there's conflict of interest there, and so on. But it's the wrong issue, really. the The question here that I would pose is. Are recessions what keep people from reaching their goals? Exactly. Do you need to recession-proof your portfolio? Or is it really maybe more of a behavioral thing? And Kevin alluded to this, I think, in the last segment, that it really is more about your behaviors, your habits, are going to determine whether or not you achieve your goals. And ultimately, it's your goals that you're investing for. That's, That's right. the purpose. And, and, and you think... You think because it's so awful, you go through it and you're like, I can't reach my goals if I if I hit a recession. Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. It's not that you have to avoid those recessions. It's that you have to participate in your investing um, philosophy, in your investing approach in order to reach your long-term goals. That's you have right. to participate in it. Right, because the question is, if the question is, how do I recession-proof my portfolio? The, to me, the question is, is is that your problem? Right. Mm-hmm. Is is a, a recession the obstacle that is going to prevent you from reaching your goals? And I would say no, absolutely not. Because if you if you look at how the market performed from you know really from 1997 on, you could have had the same amount of money in your portfolio uh, that if you invested in 1997, it'd be the same amount in early 2009. If you if you just bought and held it, mm-hmm. and so you say, wait a minute, there's 12 years where I didn't make any money. Well, if you if you ca- continued to hold, you just had a 300 percent run up. And oh, by the way, if you were buying in uh, uh, throughout that period, you did much better. And if you had a diversified portfolio, you did much better. We're we're going to shrink all of this down and get and give you a very clear answer to that in just a moment about whether you should recession recession proof your portfolio can't even say it and how you'd go about that very clear answer as well as you have a great question about if you're looking to retire before you're eligible for medicare and social security how do you do that what are your options that and more coming up here on wise money with corhorn financial group
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at Remax 100, and Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies. If you're looking to retire early before, say, you're eligible for Social Security and even Medicare, what are your options? What do you do? We've got that question from Sam coming up. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike. Across from me, Kevin Corhorn. Between us, Josh Gregory, coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group and the KFG Studios. If you have a question, let me remind you, you can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Also, if you've missed anything, we're I know we're past the halfway point of the year, but we're giving you kind of our halftime report, our update on the market, what the themes are, and what you should be doing about it, especially with where the market is today. If you've missed any of that, every episode's on podcast. Just search, search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's iTunes and Google Play. And every episode's on the YouTube channel as well. So you can find us there, Wise Money Radio. All right, let's boil it all down, guys. Should you recession-proof your portfolio? And if so, how in the world would you do it? Let's boil it down. I think the question, uh, it, it does matter who it's coming from. We don't know the age, but if someone is young and they're just fearful that they're going to watch their investments go down in value for a little while and they don't want to they don't want to lose any ground. They've been marching forward, building up a portfolio, and they don't want to lose anything. Um, we would explain to you that a recession or a bear market, the next decline in the market could still be really good for you if you keep the same habits and behaviors going and you focus on your long-term goals. You don't need to reach your goals in the next two years or three years by never uh, having a declining year in, in your portfolio. You need to take advantage of the dips when they come. I've been getting this similar question from folks who are on the eve of retirement or they're stepping into retirement right now. And, uh, you know, their their reaction is, well, we need to be really, really conservative with our investments. In fact, I want to have a gazillion dollars sitting in cash because the market's going to go down in, in value. And the coaching that I give them is to remind them what is your true exposure to a recession or a decline in the market? How long do you need to live um, off of some cash in order to ride through a storm like this so that maybe you don't have to sell things that depress prices at, at some point. And when we talk through it in terms of, you know, how, how much money do you need to have kind of in the root cellar to fall back on, uh, people very quickly realize, you know, I, I don't really need that much, maybe a year's worth of cash or two years worth of cash. And having that amount in place gives them the confidence and the freedom to let the rest of their investments stay uh, positioned for more long-term, moderate growth that will help them achieve their goals in in the long term. How in the world, though, so I agree with you completely, but how in the world do you even give that advice, Josh? All of that comes out of your financial plan. That's right. All of it comes out of your financial plan. How much you should have in cash, how much should be positioned for long-term growth, How what dollars you're going to need out there two and three decades from now, all of that becomes extremely clear in your financial plan. And therefore, you can have confidence in the investment approach that you're taking right now in light of all the uncertainty. That all is revealed in your financial plan and through that process. Yes, because 
I was just meeting with some folks, and they came in and they said, hey, we're getting close to retirement, so we really need to back off on the risk in our investments, right? And so we said, well, let's go back and let's look at your financial plan. And between, and they don't spend much money. So between their Social Security and pensions and one of them working a day a week in retirement, they have more than enough income to do everything they want to do. Right. And so you say, well, if you've got more than enough income to do what you want to do and you don't need any of this money for the foreseeable future, then there's not really a huge need to dial back on the risk dramatically. You know, the other thing, uh, a theme that's come up in some of my conversations with clients who are retired, um, if they're fearful about the future, the stock market declining, um, I, I ask them, what are the the line items in their spending that are discretionary to them, where they get to control whether or not they spend the money or maybe the timing of the money. And we look at things like, oh, that big Australia and New Zealand trip that you want to take. Mm, that's fun. Y- you know, you may have thousands of dollars into that trip and maybe you're thinking you're going to take it in a couple years. Well, if it just so happens that the market is down during that time, are you willing to postpone the trip for a year or two? If you are, then in a way, your own behavior, your own response is what's truly helping you be more recession-proof because you're not just charging forward and spending money as if you're unaware of what's going on in, in the markets around you. You have some control and some influence over how your portfolio fares through the storms. I love what you're saying, Josh. So you're saying recession-proof your behavior. Don't, don't worry about recession-proofing your portfolio. That's right. I I think now is a time, however, so I'm going to flip that around. If you have not taken a careful look at the level of risk in your portfolio, it's possible that things have just drifted further and further into more aggressive territory just simply because the more aggressive investments have done so well that they've outpaced the conservative stuff. Yeah. And your portfolio may be out of balance. And so if, if you have not reviewed your portfolio in the context of your goals, your financial plan, now is the time to sit down and review that so that you can be confident you're not overexposed to the next market decline whenever it comes. Well said, Josh. Yep, totally agree. In a similar vein as this question, we've got the next one from fan of the show, Sam. He's from Edwardsburg. Great question. So I'm looking to see if I can retire, but I'm not yet eligible for Social Security or Medicare. I've saved up a good amount in the bank and also my 401k. My question is healthcare and retirement income. What are my options? Uh, congratulations, Sam, on being uh, you know ready to take this step. I would hope that you've gone through a formal financial plan that has a very comprehensive retirement approach, looking at all five factors to ensure that you're ready. Um, and in light of the conversation we just had about the market and the risks and so on, that you know what your investment approach needs to be in order for you to make it for the next three to four decades without running out of money. Specifically with healthcare, I have my own personal opinions on the healthcare debacle that our country has gone through over the past six to eight years. Okay, I'm going to set those aside and just say, currently, if you are retiring before you're eligible for Medicare, you do have an option. You might not like what that option is, but you have an option for healthcare. You could do COBRA if your company offered it. But Only you, last 18 months. But you, you do have an option that doesn't 
care about pre-existing conditions or anything, and that's through the exchange. Now, you don't have lots of options there, and they might not be good options, but it does give you that option. If you're in this spot, Sam, we've seen a lot of people who have a similar, sounds like a similar situation, and you're able to manipulate your income pretty well. If you're not yet eligible for Social Security, you've got a lot of money saved up in the bank, you might be able to get a pretty good deal on health insurance through the exchange, but you need to be very careful of the tax consequences. That's why these two issues are interrelated, aren't they? Yeah. Um, You asked about health care and retirement income, and when you purchase health insurance through the exchanges, your price tag is based on your income. Yep. And so if if you're going to be living off of retirement plans or if you have a pension or something, uh, that's going to determine essentially your price tag uh, on this health insurance, and maybe you inadvertently uh, trigger that price tag to change by pulling more money out of your IRAs, you you don't want to lose track of that. Every year, you need to be doing some careful tax projection work to, to make sure you know where your income is going to land and uh, what kind of implications that's going to have on your health insurance. Absolutely, and if you're taking a, a plan through the exchange, and you turn on the Social Security faucet, yeah. you could, uh, it could be very disruptive to the credit that you're getting. So this is where, this is totally a planning issue. So make sure you're, you're working with your certified financial planner, working with a, a, a healthcare expert like Ted Foster in our office, and, and really analyzing this so you know that you're absolutely getting the best option for you. And analyzing it in the context of a financial plan is important. We don't know your exact age, Sam. You gave us clues. You said you're not eligible for Social Security, so that tells us you're under age 62. Yeah. Um, so whatever you choose, it's going to have to last for a while because uh, Medicare doesn't kick in until age 65. That may be very affordable in your retirement plan, um, but I would want to prove that to myself before I jump in. I can't think of a better case where you definitely need a financial plan. You need your financial professional who is working with your tax professional, who's working with your insurance advisor. You need all of that pulled together in this case. So hopefully you're getting that advice, Sam. Hopefully that helped you. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks, Sam, for the question. Thank you for listening as well. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at KFG... Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.